On the evening of that first day of the week, even though the disciples had locked the doors of the place where they were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood before them. Peace be with you, he said. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. At the sight of the Lord, the disciples rejoiced. Peace be with you, he said again. As God has sent me, so I send you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of others, they are forgiven them. If you hold them bound, they are held bound. It happened that one of the twelve, Thomas the twin, was absent when Jesus came. The other disciples kept telling him, We have seen the Lord. And his answer was, I'll never believe it without probing the nail prints in his hands, without putting my finger in the nail marks and my my hand into his side. A week later, the disciples were once more in the room. And this time Thomas was with them. And despite the locked doors, Jesus came and stood before them. Peace be with you, he said. And then to Thomas, take your finger and examine my hands. Put your hand into my side. Do not persist in your unbelief, but believe. And Jesus said in response, my Lord and my God. And Jesus then said to him, you became a believer because you saw me. Blessed are they who have not seen and have believed. And Jesus performed many more signs as well, signs not recorded here, in the presence of his disciples. But these have been recorded to help help you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, so that through this faith you may have life in his name. And this is the Gospel of Christ. Praise Jesus. Now John wrote this, or this was written, many years after these events. When Jesus died, the common belief of his disciples and his followers that here was a great rabbi, a great teacher. They had not yet figured out that he was the Messiah. So when you see references in scripture to Jesus as the Messiah, those were added later because at first they really really didn't know that. It took about 50, 60 years for Jesus, the rabbi, to become Jesus, the Son of God. And that's historical. Now we understand that that there was something about Jesus that was beyond anything that we've experienced. And, you know, so the Jews refer that as their Messiah, the person to come and open up the gates of spiritual awakening for them. We have other names in our cultures. We have other ways of perceiving that. I was talking with um, a Navajo friend of mine, Ben, yesterday, um, and we were comparing notes on Christianity versus Navajo spirituality. Whoa. (laughs) And at the end of the conversation, he said, you know, it's all one. It's all the same thing. When you get past the cultural stuff, when you get past, you know, um, all the rest of it, the core of the Navajo spiritual path is the same as the core of the Christian path. And what he and I said, well, what's the word that defines that in, in your way? He says, diyen. Diyen. And it's the 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 holy the holy the sacred holiness that envelops all things. Isn't that beautiful? 
the sacred holiness that envelops all things. So, um, uh, begin can be uh, when you encounter someone, a holy person, uh, when you encounter, you know, the mountain, you know, the, whatever brings that sacredness to your heart and mind, that's diyen. You know, and, and, and I, was, I was thinking the same thing. Um, blessed are you who believe. Jesus was diyen. You know, Jesus was Dien. We have Dien within us, right? We have that Christ within us. We have the Holy Spirit. We are a vessel. I breathe into you the Holy Spirit. That's Dien. And there's no difference at that level. There's no difference. And, you know, today is the uh, uh, Mercy Day, right? The Sunday of Mercy. What does that really mean? Well, think about it for a minute. Is being merciful, is that something that we do? I'm going to be merciful towards someone? For what reason? Or is mercy a state of being? Are we in a state of mercifulness? Just in in acknowledging that we have the Holy Spirit within us. That limitless capacity of spirit that we hold within us. When we are merciful, is it, is it something that somebody deserves? Do we think they deserve it? Or is it coming out of a place, well, if, I don't, if I'm not merciful, I'm going to hell? You know, what, what are the criteria that we place on mercy? There is no criteria. Mercy is a state of being. It's a natural state of the universe. If, um, we had, uh, when we were on the Navajo Reservation, uh, Ben's family had a, a two-year-old sheep that they wanted to butcher. So they asked if they could bring it down to the church because we had real grass. And, you know, nobody else waters their grass but white folks, right? And uh, so we had grass. So they left mutton. We named it mutton. That's a whole different story. But we left mutton and to enjoy the grass for a couple weeks and just fatten up a little bit. And then the family came over one Saturday to butcher the sheep. And what we noticed was there comes a point when the sheep realizes they have their own little personal Gethsemane, right? But then the sheep realizes that, no, this is, this is my path that's laid before me. And they become very calm. And they become very gentle and docile. Now, the, the elder of the family, uh, usually one person in the family would do the butchering. And he had the knife, and he sat with that sheep. And talked to it. And explained that they have loved that sheep since it was brought into the world and that they have welcomed that sheep into their family. And the sheep will bring nourishment to the family. And he was thanking the sheep. He kept saying that. Thanking the sheep for what the sheep was about to give to his family. And he promised that he would be merciful to that sheep. That's why only one member of the family does that. They're highly skilled. 
and painlessly and gently that sheep gave up his life for the family. Now, he didn't intend to be merciful because he thought it might benefit the sheep. He, became, he was merciful because that's just the state that he was in in that moment. And there was no other criteria involved with what it means to have mercy. There was no other criteria involved. The sheep didn't deserve mercy. The sheep deserved mercy. Um, it didn't matter. What mattered was that his state of being, he would not have called that, I'm being merciful. He would just say, this is the way it needs to be. This is the way it is. And this is the relationship we have with these beings. A couple days ago, it wasn't a mosquito. They're a little bit larger, but they look kind of mosquito-like. A mosquito hawk? Maybe. Landed on my arm. And I instinctively did that. And I looked down, and this little crumpled being, uh, one wing was intact, one wing was kind of bent, there was a leg that was, it looked like it probably could have been glued on a little better. And I, I just immediately apologized. And I heard, clear as a bell, please let me live. That little being. There wasn't a thought that I'm going to be kind to this animal. There wasn't a consideration that I'm called to be merciful. It was a state of being that allowed me to take it outside and put it somewhere where it could safely heal and, and continue its life. Mercy is not something we think about doing. Mercy is just a state that we're in. There is no separation between mercy and love. And there's no separation between compassion and mercy. It's all one energy. It's all the same energy. And the more we get into our spiritual path, the more we get into what does it really mean to have the Holy Spirit within, that Christ consciousness within us, the more we start to get in tune with that, the more those situations come because we are becoming mercy itself. And so it attracts those needing mercy. Just as we, as we become love embodied, we attract those who need love. Just as we become compassion embodied, we will be in situations where those who are needing that will be there. And it's not a conscious decision. I'm going to be compassionate today. It's a state of being that we're in. And that's the working of the Holy Spirit. I breathe into you the Holy Spirit. Whatever you raise up will raise up naturally because of the energy that you're radiating in that state of being. And consequently also, whatever you bind will be bound. It's not about the intention. It's not about being cut off on the road and deciding, I'm going to bind that person. That does, it doesn't work that way. 
although you'd like it to, right? <laughs> it doesn't work that way. It's a state of being. It's a state of being. So, as we have the Holy Spirit within us, we have been breathed in, right? We have been breathed in. Allow ourselves, allow ourselves that transformational process of becoming truly the vessel of spirit and life. So that it becomes just a natural way of being. It's not something we have to think about we've got to do today. I mean, there are times when, I mean, I can attest, there are times when I stop mid-curse or whatever and think, ooh, I really need to change that. But just those, you know, that aside, just remember that we are in that process. We are the vessels of absolute, limitless compassion and love and mercy. Not as an activity and not as a goal, but just by the very fact that we are living and breathing in the world today. And um, getting back to Thomas, it never said that, you know, I wonder if Jesus maybe met Thomas out there, out and about, because he was out and about. He wasn't behind locked doors. He wasn't hiding. Yeah. I wonder if Jesus maybe encountered him beforehand and did one of those don't tell anybody things. We don't know. Any, any thoughts?